0: This is Podco Media Networks. Hello and welcome to the Peace Love Plants podcast. I am your host, Marco Knox, a.k.a. the Phytogenic Chef. This is a very exciting week for me. Why, you ask? Well, I will tell you. As most of you know, outside of this very podcast that you're listening to, I'm a whole food plant-based chef. So it's safe to say... I kind of geek out on plant-based food, recipe development, and honestly, anything related to plant-based cooking. This week, I'm humbled to say that one of the greatest plant-based chefs in the entire world joins the podcast, Chef Mark Reinfeld. Chef Mark is an award-winning chef and 2017 Vegetarian Hall of Fame inductee, which, by the way, has some pretty big names, such as Dr. Michael Greger. Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, and even Dr. Caldwell Esseltine, just to name a few. He's also authored eight books, traveled the world teaching and learning, and is now the founder of Vegan Fusion Culinary Academy located in Boulder, Colorado. It's a nationally accredited school helping people to learn how to cook plant-based while fulfilling their mission on earth. As you'll soon hear, Chef Mark is more than a chef. He's a leader and an altruistic human that fulfills his own purpose every single waking moment. So get ready to learn the true meaning of ahimsa through the medium of food with Chef Mark Reinfeld. Chef Mark Reinfeld, welcome to the Peace, Love, Plants podcast, my friend. How are you doing today?
1: Great, Marco. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: Not a problem. You know, today is a beautiful day, not only because I woke up, But I get to have the opportunity to speak with you on this podcast. I mean, you're a legend in this plant-based vegan movement. So I really appreciate (laughs) you joining the show. Sure, man. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. So before we dive into your latest project with uh, Vegan Fusion Culinary Academy, I want to set the table for our audience a little bit and talk about your background. Uh, I won't get too far down this road because your work is extensive and I do want to focus on the school. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to your early years. Uh, I know you grew up in New York, and your grandparents were instrumental in shaping your path. Take me back to that time and share with me a little bit about what it was like learning from them and the inspiration.
1: So I did. Yeah, I grew up in New York. And uh, I always loved cooking as a child. It was just something I was drawn to. And my grandfather was actually a renowned chef and ice carver in the 50s. He would do these elaborate swans and swordfish. He did like a life-size Michelangelo's David for a gay club in Fort Lauderdale. And he was carving ice until his dying days in his 80s from a wheelchair with an oxygen tank and a chainsaw. So uh, pretty hardcore influence in those days. No
0: doubt. Well, all the way till his dying days, he was still getting it. That's passion. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So they inspired you and and it spawned this creativity in your mind. Now, let's fast forward just a little bit to your college years. I I read that you studied philosophy and law, but you went a little bit of a different route. You were studying abroad. Am I right on that?
1: Yeah, uh, you definitely did your research. (laughs) So well, I grew up, basically, I was a philosophy major in college. I've just spent a lot of time traveling and I like like wisdom quotes and uh just like sacred site travel and so uh I just found myself drawn actually towards law before I did a lot of traveling and then uh, once I graduated from college and I took a year off and I traveled I worked as an au pair in Paris I hitchhiked from Amsterdam to Berlin uh, was there when the Berlin Wall opened up and was in Prague when there was revolution there. So I underwent all these kind of life experiences and was in India and on a kibbutz in Israel and up in the Himalayas. And all that predisposition towards law school was slowly fading, but I still wound up doing a semester at NYU before I realized that wasn't like the direction I wanted to go in my life. But uh, there was definitely an overlap between uh, the philosophy and law for some point.
0: Wow, those are monumental times in history, and you were there to witness it. That had to just be amazing to yeah. to experience it firsthand.
1: Yeah, my friends, it was like the Where's Waldo thing. Like for that period of like the end of '89, uh, towards you know the next couple of years, was there was a lot going on where I was, so it was, it was pretty fun.
0: That is truly fascinating. I mean, we could just go down that road for a long time, I'm sure. Yeah. So when you were in Israel, you worked at a farm, is that right? The chicken farm? (laughs) It
1: It was a kibbutz, actually. And so for half the day, you would learn Hebrew, and half the day, you would do whatever they told you to do. So it could be work in the kitchen, work in the farm or the factory. And then one day, they did ask us to go to the chicken coop, And up to that point, I was probably eating chicken like five to seven days a week. And then we had to transport them out and put them in cages. And I did that for about 10 minutes and realized I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And if I couldn't do it, I felt like I couldn't eat it. So that's what started my whole uh, vegetarian journey was that that experience.
0: So that's the catalyst. I mean, there's obviously a lot of things leading up to that, but that was the final
1: thing for you, right? Yeah, that was the day I was very clear. I probably had chicken that day. And then that night, that was that was the end of it. So then red meat, followed suit, and then fish. And then uh, the vegan came more slowly, just I started to feel better without the dairy and eggs. So that was more of like a gradual journey. But eliminating different uh, meat products occurred pretty much overnight.
0: And what year is this again? This is uh, in the 90s? Uh, This was uh,
1: 1990. I was on uh, Kibbutz in Israel, early 1990.
0: Wow. So 20 plus years, depending on the month at this point for you. Yeah. No looking back, huh? No way. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I commend you for that. That's fantastic. Because back then, being vegan or vegetarian really wasn't like now it's very popular almost, but yeah. back then it was like it wasn't even a word people knew of.
1: Yeah, vegan still had a lot. I mean, it still does have more connotations than we probably want it to, but uh back then it was even more rare. When I left law school, I moved to San Diego and I started working in a health food store there in the in the kitchen. So that's my whole professional culinary career occurred right after I had made the decision to become vegetarian and vegan. So I was always like surrounded by food once I made that decision, which made it a little easier.
0: So San Diego, California, let's talk about that time because... I read that you you started in the dish pit, like, you know, I'm, hey, listen, I'm not uh, as experienced as a chef, but I've worked in restaurants most of my life and everybody starts in a dish hole,
1: right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: you got to work your way up. So you started in the dish tank and you worked your way up all the way to an executive chef and gathered this knowledge throughout that time, right?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. So I, I fed my manager on the first day I worked there and the next day I was on a prep shift and then baking <laughs> and then the chef mean, Chef shifts and entered into managerial roles. And then after a few years, I branched off and started my own uh, private chef and consulting service called the Blossoming Lotus. And that's when I started. This was like the late 90s now, just realizing that, especially in the professional culinary world, people really weren't that up to speed on how to work with plant based foods. So that's kind of how I got into like the consulting and you know, tour the whole thing kind of followed suit.
0: Okay. Wow. That's fascinating. So what was the feedback then? I mean, back then, because now, like I said earlier, it's more mainstream, but back then, was there any resistance to it or were people open?
1: There was the, the diehards and it was in a health food store. So the initial food I was doing was in a deli case. So it was like grab and go. And so you could really see what people were liking and Just, I had the opportunity to get really creative and experiment with like different types of food. I think I did probably like fifteen different kinds of lasagna just from around the world. Like getting into like world cuisine flavors, things like that, right from the beginning. Beautiful,
0: fifteen kinds of lasagna. Wow, I got to pick your brain on that. I've got two, but I need a few more. So you go from San Diego, and, and did you go to Hawaii from there? Did I read that that correctly?
1: Yeah. You definitely did your research. Uh, (laughs) So after I started the consulting, I was bouncing around and I went back to New York. I serviced some corporate accounts there like Credit Suisse First Boston and the Peninsula Spa and a place outside of Chicago and Aspen, Colorado. And then I went to Hawaii just on a two-week vacation and wound up staying for about eight years
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's amazing go for two weeks and eight years later
1: yeah be, be careful where uh, you take your two-week vacations
0: <laughs> plan accordingly right <laughs> So in Hawaii, I know you uh you had this famous restaurant. It really started to really become a spot to go. Um yeah. and you, you it was the same name of your consulting agency, right? The Blossoming
1: Lotus, is that correct? Right. Yeah. So that's where basically there were a group of people. They had there was an internet cafe and they wanted to go in the more in a vegan cafe. And I had all these years of menu and recipe development experience in consulting. And so I laid out a menu there. And our initial location was, it was like a 30 seat kind of small spot. And then we opened up across the street to like an 80 plus seat restaurant with an outdoor tropical courtyard and nightly entertainment. And we do like vegan luau's and have like Polynesian drummers and dancers and over 200 people at our grand opening. So we really brought like a lot of awesome energy in and work with a dozen organic farmers. We We're definitely like one of the spots there on Kauai.
0: That's amazing. And I I like how you touched on energy because I want to back up to uh, your time in India because you studied meditation and yoga and Mm. all those things and spiritual teachings. And Ahimsa probably, I'm imagining, became a very big thing for you. And it, it became part of the way you cooked your food. It was with intention and with energy and positivity, right?
1: Yeah. So I had actually, after I left the working at the health food store in California, I I've done some uh, Vipassana retreats, which are 10-day silent retreats. And that coupled with uh, being in India, I just felt like bringing that level of mindfulness and awareness into the food choices and was important. And I wanted to, having spent time in retreat centers and ashrams, I wanted people out in the real world to have an experience of what that kind of food could, it could be the same food but with that different energy and intention going into it we actually uh when we first opened up the restaurant the first when I did the recipes, the first part of the instructions was to like something along the lines of like get into a good headspace send good thoughts to the people you're preparing the food for and really like infusing that that into the food that's where the idea of for me what the blossoming lotus represented was usually it's like a symbol of spiritual evolution. And so I was looking at it as a way to bring and it grows out of the, the mud. So bringing that level of like mindfulness and awareness into the culinary world was very important, like in those early days.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. I was always taught that people eat with their eyes. So presentation was always key. And I'm sure you've said that to many people as well. But to add that layer of intention and positive energy is just next level. Yeah, I'm sure people felt that
1: they did people and you combine with like Hawaii and Kauai that like kind of primal tropical energy was it was a good place to be, you know, at that time, doing the vegan thing on Kauai. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It sounds magical, honestly. Yeah. So food is your medium, it sounds like to mm-hmm. me. You've got this beautiful platform and you create delicious food, and people eat with their eyes, and you've got the intention going into it. And you wanted to bring that to a broader audience, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. So you started writing books and you created a, an amazing book that was a number one bestseller, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right on that?
1: Yeah. So I had traveled extensively up to that point and accumulated all these recipes. And like I mentioned, I just like going to like kind of the power spots and gathering quotes from philosophers and just wisdom seekers. And so when we had the restaurant, the co-author Bo Rinaldi of the first book had met someone who works with Jane Goodall, Dr. Goodall. And he felt that she would get behind a cookbook and ask me if I had any recipes. And I had this whole like, stack of you know hundreds and hundreds of recipes I had done up to that point. So that's what started the literary career was doing the, uh, the Vegan Fusion World Cuisine book. And it, was, it did win a bunch of awards, including uh, it was a gourmand award for best vegetarian cookbook in the U.S. at the time.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I, I read somewhere I read it won nine other national awards, and then you it, it spawned more creativity. You authored seven more books, and maybe more since then. I don't know. I had seven in my notes.
1: Uh, I, I think yeah, we're we're up to eight. So uh, the last <laughs> book we did the I did the Idiot's Guide to Eating Raw after the first one, and then we did the Thirty Minute Vegan, uh, which was quick and easy. Thirty Minute Vegans: Taste of the East, Taste of Europe, Soups on. Which I, I like to promote that as vegan soups for the chicken soul. Sometimes it takes a second for that joke to sink in, but and then we did uh, healing the vegan way. And the last book I wrote with my wife is called the ultimate age-defying plan. So that that was the eighth book. And I think I'm ready to take a little pause now on the cookbook creating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought up your wife because you guys formed a business together and, and travel and do a lot of things too, right? She's a doctor. You have the, the doctor or the chef and the doctor?
1: The doctor and the chef. Yeah. She's a vegan naturopathic doctor. She went to one of the top naturopathic medical schools in the country and out in Portland where we met and so we, she's actually involved in creating the food as medicine curriculum now at the school. So we're definitely, we like to say like plant-based cuisine and naturopathic medicine is like the future of food and of medicine. It's also like the origins of food and medicine. So I do see them going hand in hand.
0: No doubt. Culinary medicine is where it's at. Yeah. It can really heal the body. It's totally. amazing. It yeah. really is. That's really cool, living the dream. I mean, what a fantastic <laughs> story to, to have two worlds collide like that and create, you know, magic like that. That's beautiful. Yeah, we're feeling it. <laughs> so now you, you're you're out of Hawaii. You've got your books. You're married, and now it's the new the new life, right, Chef? You're you yeah. you started a, a school, right? Vegan Fusion Culinary Academy. Or did I, did I miss a part of that?
1: <laughs> uh, well, so. After we did close the Blossoming Lotus in Hawaii in 2008, we kept one of the locations in Portland, which we sold a few years ago. There still is a Blossoming Lotus a legacy in, in Portland. I taught my first like cooking class in my parents' home in uh, Stony Brook, New York, and I think 1998 was the first cooking class I did. And then, when we closed the restaurant, I had been doing one and two day classes at the restaurant when it was open. And then I just had this idea to do like a 10 day deep dive into vegan and raw food cuisine. And so I started doing these 10 day trainings and I found it started drawing people that were more committed. And I wound up, I think I've done around a little over like 30 of those. 10 day trainings and about another 35 of a five-day training version, which I've taught all over in like London and Paris and all across the states and Hawaii. And was doing uh teacher trainings also. I established like a plant-based chef certification program. Because for me, you probably get the sense like I look at this as a form of activism and a way to create like a sustainable Future for humanity. So, it, for me, it's more than just showing people how to cook healthy food for them. It has the impact, you know, to create like, you know, the kind of world I think we all want to live in. So, I was out on the clocking a lot of miles doing all those trainings. And last uh, year, I met a couple here in Colorado that we partnered with and we're opening this uh, amazing state of the art all-vegan, plant-based culinary academy in Boulder, Colorado. So we're due to open that this summer. That's kind of the big news. The The culmination of everything has kind of led to that.
0: That's amazing. So it's on-site, it's not just online?
1: Yeah, so this is going to be, we're, we're still like in the build-out phase, but we're building out two kitchens in there, a professional kitchen and a home chef kitchen. Our Our core program is going to be we're looking at a 16-week intensive plant-based chef training program, which will have a diploma. And we're looking to get that uh, nationally accredited as a culinary program. And it's mainly for people who are looking for a career in the plant-based culinary world. So whether you want to be a personal chef or a caterer or food truck or blogger, cookbook author, wherever, like your inclination is to enter in the plant-based culinary world. That's what we want to, you know, help people get there. That's going to be the core program.
0: That's huge. I mean, because there's a there's a void in that space, and, and yeah. you capitalizing on that. Because I get asked all the time, "Hey, I want to do plant-based cooking. How do I get certified? Where do I go? Where do you learn?" Yeah. And I've just I've been fortunate enough that I grew up in the in the culinary world, so I just transitioned my thoughts. Right. Recipes without meat. But right, to have right. formal training from a chef like you with legitimate programs, that's yeah. that's amazing.
1: We're pretty psyched. And then I've done a, a lot of uh, corporate consulting over the years where training chefs like at places like Aramark and Sedexo and Compass Group and Bon Appetit, kind of the big food service providers. So we also want to have a training just for professional chefs who have been around the block but they haven't. They're not really up on the vegan techniques. So, we'll have a section of courses for them as well as uh, the home cook classes. So, we'll do like date nights and night skills, Thai cooking classes, vegan desserts, kombucha making, movie screenings, guest lectures. So, our goal is to really create a, a vibrant, like community centered, centered around uh, plant based uh, cuisine.
0: I'm in. Sign me up. (laughs) Cool. Come visit, man. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to. That sounds amazing. I mean, holy cow. Yeah. That is well-rounded, Chef. That is well-rounded. I'm looking at your site over here on the side, and Mm. it's beautiful. So I'll make sure I include this in my show notes so people can dive into this a little more. So you're slated to open in the summer, but can people register now or do they have to wait?
1: We're just on the cusp of being able to accept people It may be a few more weeks where we want to get everything lined up before we open enrollment. But uh, we're looking mm-hmm. to do our first uh, 16-week course starting in August, and then we'll have two of those per year uh, moving forward. So we'll basically have, yeah, you know, like a starting in January, and then uh, starting over the summer will be the the two big courses. And you've got some pretty
0: big names that are coming to do some guest speaking. It sounds like I mean, pretty famous chefs.
1: Yeah. So I want to do a bunch of things. Like first of all, like. I really love collaborating, and I feel like part of this bigger movement. And so one of the hats I've worn is for the last eight years, I've run the kitchen at Vegetarian Summerfest in Johnstown. It's the North American Vegetarian Society's function, and they get up to, I think we did up to 750 people one year, and it was from a Wednesday to a Sunday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all you can eat. And they have a lot of like these leading presenters in the plant-based world. So I, I met most of them <laughs> through there and people are really excited to be part of the school. So we want to have like Dr. Gregor, Dr. Williams, Dr. Khan, who I saw was on your show of all agreed to come to the school and also some of the leading plant-based culinary experts like Miyoko and uh, Fran Costigan, the Queen of Desserts. She's actually going to be the first instructor coming in. To She'll teach a day at the school, and then we'll have a weekend program that people could sign up for as well.
0: That's awesome. What an amazing <laughs> all-star lineup you've got queued up there, Chef. Thanks, man. That is really <laughs> cool. Wow. So open enrollment's happening soon. You've got some pretty big names coming. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, I want to back up just for a second. The Summerfest that you're, you're part of, you're the executive chef for that. I want my listeners to understand that you're also nominated for the Vegetarian Hall of Fame in 2017, and that's a pretty big deal. And that's been going on for quite some time. I mean, you mentioned Gregor; he was nominated last year, I believe. But yeah. Campbell's in there, Clapper. I mean, there's Esselteen. There's some big names that are in there. So it's not just this this little thing. Like, oh, hey, it's a cute award. It's a legit award, and, and right. you're you're part of that. That's that's amazing. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. That was definitely one of the the special moments because they don't tell you about it. And my wife kept the secret for like three months, which is pretty surprising yeah. in itself, That it was a total surprise, but uh, really cool. And and actually, I just did, I wanted to cycle back to the Ahimsa that you asked about. I don't know if I like yeah. fully answered that, but that is like a core, it's basically nonviolence. And so for yeah. me, that's what being vegan is, is Ahimsa. And so uh, I like bringing that principle in as many ways as I could. And it really connects to the idea of food activism. When you look at people like Gandhi or Bob Marley or Martin Luther King, who advocated nonviolence as a solution to the challenges we're facing in this world. And so I feel like with food, we have an opportunity to choose the energy we're bringing into the world by our food choices. And so for me, my main motivation is this idea of creating a more peaceful world. And so that, that principle plays a, a pretty strong part in uh, what we're doing here as well.
0: That's really cool. I'm glad you backed up to that because that is important. And it's, if I can take you to a story of mine real quick, it's, I went plant-based vegan for a health reason. So I didn't have that, that activism that let's do it for the animal's mindset, but it came really quick. Mm. And it's amazing when you're not taking in fear and suffering, mm. how it leaves your body. And then you realize, wow, it's more than just health.
1: Right. It's yeah. a,
0: it's a comprehensive, sustainable planet. It's for mm. the animals. It's kindness. It's loving. It's compassion. It's everything. And it all comes rushing into you. And it's yeah. undeniable. Once you know and once you experience it, it's undeniable.
1: Yeah. it's. Uh, I like to say there's like three doors that people go through to become plant based and once you're they go in the same room and once you're in the room those other reasons can become important. And so health or medical is usually the big one for people. And then there's the environmental, there's sustainability. And then there's like the kind of concerns for animal welfare, nonviolence and that doorway. So that was mine. And then I got in the others once I was in there
0: it all grabs you. Once you're in, you're in. Totally. <laughs> well, Chef Mark, I know you're a busy guy. You got to get back to the kitchen. I won't take up too much more of your time. Is there anything that I didn't cover that you would like to touch on before we go?
1: Just thanks again for having me, Mark. I appreciate everything you're doing. And just I, I always like encouraging people. Just It's a lot easier than people realize to live a plant-based lifestyle and have it. the food taste amazing and experience all the benefits that you mentioned. And they really, even after twenty something years, they still it keeps on giving, so I just like encouraging people to uh take that step, and also that learning the techniques is also a lot easier than people think that's a big misconception they have that like they can't figure out plant base or that it's gonna be too expensive or too complicated and is really also just there's lots of amazing kitchen hacks you could use to make it easy and affordable and tastes good. And it's like a win-win, however you look at it.
0: No doubt. That's beautiful. Way to close it out. That's strong. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, Chef Mark, thank you for your time today. You're an absolute inspiration to so many people and your work is amazing. Thank you. It's impactful. Thank you for all you do to make this world a better place. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to have spoken with you to, with you today. Let's do it again. Once you get the school open, we'll get you back on. We'll talk about the progress.
1: Yeah, maybe you could do a, a live uh, broadcast from the school. Absolutely. Now that sounds fun. That would be cool. We'll nice. do it. We'll lock that cool. up. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Stay in chef. touch. Okay,
0: take care. No Mark. worries. No worries. That was Chef Mark Reinfeld, everybody, from Vegan Fusion Culinary Academy. Please be sure to check out my show notes to learn more about what his work is all about. I'll include everything there for you. Until then, peace, love, and plants. Speaking with Chef Mark was really enlightening. And I have to say, while I have worked for a lot of amazing chefs in my lifetime, I can also say with complete confidence that none of them were as grounded or as authentic as Chef Mark Reinfeld. I mean, he puts the power of intention into every single dish that he creates and lives the true meaning of Ahimsa. It's refreshing to see a person so unwavering in their mission. My takeaway is this. We all hear the whispers of truth when we open our mind. But do we all take action? I can't speak for you. So I'll speak for myself and my answer is no, I haven't always listened. But as I reflect, I can say that when I have listened, the whispers of truth have led me to some of the most amazing places I have ever experienced in this life. That's truth. That's the meaning of fulfilling your dharma. That's the path you're supposed to be on. I love the fact that Chef Mark isn't afraid to listen, nor is he afraid to do the work that this world needs, serving humanity through the power of whole food. Truly inspiring. I hope that you enjoyed getting to know Chef Mark, and I hope that you'll spend some time checking out the links in my show notes. He's a kind spirit, and I bet he would love to hear from each and every one of you. Well, that is all for this episode, but please come back next Monday because I have another amazing guest joining the show. He's authored over 30 books and is the president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. That's right, Dr. Neil Barnard. Until then, peace, love, and plants.